0: Thank you, Sarah. So, Gideon, I have a question for you. What's the difference between belief and faith? Well, for Gideon and the people of God, it was all the difference. It was the difference between victory and defeat, between overcoming and being overwhelmed. Well, our Bible reading, it bursts in right in the middle of the life of Gideon. Uh, If you were here earlier this morning, you would have got part one of Gideon's life at the 945, as David opened um, an earlier passage uh, for us in Gideon's life. But let's have a little bit of context for us this morning. We're continuing our series of being human in a God shaped world, asking those three simple questions what is God doing? What are the people doing and what can we learn from their life about what they should be doing and what they are doing? Well, this book of Judges, this time of Judges, follows on, as I said earlier, um, from the conquest of the land. But the book I used to find extremely confusing and now I understand why. It's a little bit like a washing machine because the people of God go round and round in this circle of apostasy which then leads to oppression but then as they turn back to God he delivers them but then the cycle goes on again as they fall away from God. The context in Gideon's lifetime the Bible said is that the people of God did evil in his eyes and so for seven years God had given them into the hands of the Midianites The Midianites raided their land, and every harvest, or just before every harvest, they would come along and plunder the Israelites' crops and their livestock. In fact, the people of God were so afraid, they built hideouts and shelters for themselves against their aggressive neighbours. You know, if this situation were a pantomime and not real life, I think to the people's question, those people who were shaking, terrified in their hideouts, to their question, where are you God? We would have to say, he's behind you. But this is not pantomime. It took the people seven years to learn that lesson. Before they gave up, hiding from their enemy and they turned back. To the God who is faithful, the God who loves them, the God who loves us. Maybe for us, we've been in hiding like them for seven years, maybe 17 months. Are we going to give up hiding, give up being fearful and turn wholeheartedly back to our God? Well, in response to the people's cry, their cry of repentance, God sends a prophet to remind them of his utter faithfulness. And we can read about that uh, early on in Judges chapter 6. And then enter Gideon. Well, no. If we read chapter 6, we will find that he too is in hiding. Gideon is one of the fearful ones. He's too scared to be doing his job where he should be doing his job, the normal place. Instead of threshing corn out in the open so that the chaff can be blown away, he's found hiding, found by God, hiding in a wine press doing his work there. The Lord seeks him out and finds him. But then we see that God doesn't see Gideon as Gideon sees himself, as we see Gideon because God sees him for who he will become the full potential that the Lord has put into him and so we hear God's famous description of Gideon and his promise to him he says this the Lord is with you mighty warrior Gideon wasn't at that point a mighty warrior but God was calling out in him what he saw in him and what he intended for him to become. And it's a principle that the Lord uses again and again throughout his story, throughout history. He uses ordinary people, ordinary people who are willing to be used by him, and he moves them beyond their natural capacity and capability to do good, to make much of God and to remind us just as Gideon was reminded that God is with him and God is for him God is with us and God is for us so as I heard as some of you heard earlier in Gideon part one um, in our earlier service Gideon asked for signs Now I looked up, I have apologies, the average British man needlessly travels 1.5 extra miles a month rather than ask for directions, (laughs) and over a lifetime you will clock up 900 unnecessary miles. This is the Daily Mail that tells us this. I would hasten to add I'm sure women are just close behind. Well, Gideon asked God for yet another sign for reassurance about being you know, the one that God will use. Will he be the one that God will use to save Israel from the hands of the aggressive Midianites? In fact, Gideon received more signs than you get around the average roundabout. And so we find him dry fleece, wet fleece, so it goes on. Now, whilst these numerous signs show Gideon's perhaps lack of faith In God, to do what he said that he would do right at the start, it's the fact that God doesn't give up that I want to draw out. God is patient. God is faithful. He is so gracious. He knows we need those signs of encouragement. Indeed, as Sarah read, we heard that God sent him during the evening, during the night, undercover, right into the enemy camp. He was concealed, but again, like those spies last week, he got to hear ahead of time that God was indeed going to make him victorious, guarantee that victory, snatching defeat from the mouth of the enemy. I think what God needs us to know is that what we think we need, what Gideon thought he needed needed is not necessarily what we actually need. The scripture we heard shows us the difference between those two things. God knows actually what we do need to overcome every circumstance, every situation that we might face and especially when we are feeling like we are outnumbered or the weaker party or indeed the minority whether we are the minority in church, or the minority in culture. You see, Gideon thought he needed an army, an army as large as he could get. He needed troops, he needed swords and arrows. Well, he does muster 32,000 men. Not bad for one who was once found hiding in the winepress, and who said of himself that he was the weakest in his tribe and from the smallest clan. But in the face of 135,000 Midianites who had camped inside the promised land, he must have still felt afraid. However, God knows that Gideon does not so much need an army, but faith in the God who is protecting him, who is faithful to him and who is calling him. Gideon needed the right armour. He needed to trust in God's power rather than the strength of those who are with him. How often do we rely on everything else we have, all that is around us, rather than relying on God, the one who sees us, the one who is with us and for us? Sometimes... God has to start taking away everything else that our faith, our faith, was once in. Mother Teresa put it this way, you will never truly realise God is all you need until he becomes all you have. Sometimes subtraction is the only way to experience addition in the kingdom of God. And so it was with Gideon. As God began to downsize his army, he had already promised he would be victorious. But God knew that his wayward people would end up editing out their Lord and claim that the victory was in their own strength. So God needed to do something about this. He needed to downsize their number, their strength because their victory was not in their strength. It was in the faith or the faithfulness of their God. So the two-stage thinning begins. And what does God say first to Gideon? Send home the fearful. And what happens? Out of the 32,000, 22,000 say, thank you very much, I'll go. A bit like the 10 spies of last week. These 22,000 must have had that same grasshopper, fearful mentality, that small view of themselves. And I'm sure Gideon must at that point have again felt a little afraid. Because fear is powerful. It's actually like faith. Faith is powerful. But fear is like faith in reverse. If we are full of fear, we cannot be full of faith. We can't have the two together. Fear is also contagious. Deuteronomy 20 says, Is anyone afraid or faint-hearted? Let him go home so that his fellow soldiers... Will not become disheartened too. You see if we allow fear to fester we're in danger of letting it completely disarm us and those around us and disarm the faithfulness that God wants to put into us, that faith he wants to put into us so that he can work in us and through us. We're in danger of spreading fear throughout the camp. So for Gideon and his army, God sends fear packing. He sends fear home. And we too need to send fear packing. We need instead to choose to believe in our God. To believe that in God we can overcome. We can grow. We will grow. And we will see miracles. The second pruning that God gives Gideon is then the drinking test. Not as we might imagine a Friday night drinking test, but indeed in the ordinary course of daily life. Their boss was watching, and the Lord himself was watching how they went about their drinking. You can imagine Gideon willing Man after man took up his hands. But no, man after man got completely down and started lapping straight from the water. In fact, 9,700 of the 10,000 that were left did it that way. Perhaps Gideon lost hope. He was left with just 300 of that original 32,000 What was God saying in all of this? Gideon, it is not by your 32,000, it's not even by your 10,000, but with these 300, I will give you victory. I will give you victory whether it were three or you were the only man left standing over these Midianites. Send everyone else home because it was never going to be in your strength. The battle was never going to be fought with your weapons. The battle will be fought with one piece of armour alone. Faith. Faith in the God who called you. Faith in the God who immediately that you cried out in repentance came and rescued you and said that he would deliver you. All God requires On the part of his people is their faith. And he said, the only way I can put faith in you is by taking out from underneath you what your faith is currently in. And that truth is borne out by a verse in 1 Samuel 14. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving whether by many or by few. God could do with 300 faith-filled men more than Gideon could ever do with 32,000. And so it is with us. It's not about us. It's about God, our faithful God. And I believe today that he is asking us yet again to trust in him, For whatever challenge that you are facing, it may be that that challenge has been going on and on and on. Or maybe by this time tomorrow, you will come up against a new fear, a new challenge. God, in his might, in his faithfulness, wants to act in our lives, for us and through us to do more than we could possibly ask or imagine. So the answer to that question, what is the difference between belief and faith? Belief is a mindset. It's a way in our mind of agreeing with God. But faith, faith is an action. And talking about faith is not the same as having it. Gideon finally gets the true meaning of faith, he stops stalling, he stops asking for signs. One more miracle is not going to make him any more faithful. He has to choose to trust in his faithful God. And so he gets on with the business of trusting, of having faith, and carries out God's plan demonstrating his confidence in his God. And as a result, we see God miraculously protect the 300. And as God so often does, he sends complete confusion into the mighty enemy camp and ultimately causes their defeat. I'm reminded of the story of that faithful 19th century missionary, John Patton. He went out there with his new wife. He lost his first wife and child but he loved the people of the islands of the New Hebrides and he stayed faithful because he knew that his God was faithful and yet these people were cannibals. They did not know God They refused to believe in God in the years that Patton was there and teaching them new skills, skills to give them prosperity, to give them hope, above all, to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And Patton, who remained faithful, having returned from raising more money back in his native Scotland for the missionary cause returned with his new wife to find one night that his house was completely surrounded by all the tribes ready to kill him and his wife. So they got down on their knees and they began praying to their God, the one they knew to be faithful. They prayed and they prayed they knew they were surrounded and then suddenly they noticed that man after man left the scene until they were alone in their house and the house was no longer surrounded and they thanked their god they thanked their god for saving them and it wasn't till about a year later when the chief gave his life to Christ and Patton was sitting talking with him and he said, what happened that night that you came to kill us? The chief said, it's when we saw all of that, those people, those men with you, all of the people in your house. We knew we were defeated and we fled. And Pater knew it was just him and his wife and all of God's angel armies. That is our God. So what about us? How do we start? Well, I believe that Gideon's 300 show us the way. It's not in swords. We don't know how to fight that way. It's not what we need. You see, the Lord put in Gideon's hand and told him to put in every man's hand a trumpet and in the other, a clay jar in which there was a light. The trumpet represented praise. The clay jar, humility. And yes, You and I are like those broken jars because they were broken. We are ordinary people. And yet for those of us who know the Lord Jesus, we have inside us that extraordinary light, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who testifies to us about Jesus and what he has done for us that he has defeated the sin in our life and has won for us a great victory over death on the cross. The Holy Spirit, he is our peace. He is the light who is within us so that our hearts will not be troubled even in the face of a very great army. He is our confidence Here's our confidence to obey what God is telling us to do. We must listen. We must pray. Because that in the place of prayer is where we will hear the small voice of our Lord directing our every step. Our faith will be in action. And we will see, we will see the Lord do great things in us and through us. Amen. 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 I wonder if you might like to respond, if, if you feel you would like to, that faith again to be yours, you might with me stand, you might want to stand where you are um, online at home just as a way of saying, yes, Lord, I want to stand with you because you stand with me. Or if you feel more comfortable, you stay stay seated, but hold out your hands and say, yes, Lord, I, I want that faith. I've been fighting in my own strength for too long. We had a word earlier this morning, A sense that perhaps someone feels that they have, as it were, missed the bus. But the Lord is saying, the bus is coming again. Step up, hold your hands out, trust in me. Faith is an action. Some of us here this morning have that sense of fear, but saying, yes, but you don't know what I'm facing. The Lord says, I do, I do. I am with you. Let me show you the way. Cry out to me like Gideon did. Come out from hiding. Come back to me. Do not be afraid. I am with you. I will be with you tomorrow morning, the next morning. God is a God who shows us ahead of time, He has shown us ahead of time, that in the end all will be well as we put our trust in Him. And in the meantime, our God is a God who shows us the way to overcome and not be overwhelmed. He wants to speak to you, placing his word in you. Is he calling you this morning? Who he has made you to be, a mighty warrior, when you thought you were afraid and hiding? Mighty warrior, I will deliver you, says the Lord. Holy Spirit, help us to send fear packing to send fear packing as we raise a hand in praise and worship. As those people raise that, their trumpets and they raised their faith by saying, He who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. Come Holy Spirit, fill your children again. In the name of our mighty Lord Jesus Christ, Amen. Amen. And let us continue on in prayer as Bob brings us our intercessions. Let us pray for the church and for the world and let us thank God